Welcome to Pass the Outlet, episode 17. I'm your co-host, Michael Benjamin, joined as always by my wingman, Chris Patrick. Chris, how are you doing tonight, man? Doing good, Mike. Feeling good. Back and better than ever. Happy to be doing another Pass the Outlet, this time within a one-month span. So as we've said, man, going at the end of February into March, we're past the All-Star break now, definitely past Christmas. March Madness is just around the corner. This is basketball season. You're absolutely right, man. And obviously, we got a lot of things to touch on. Unfortunately, for some of you, we got to touch on the U of A beatdown of the ASU Sun Devils this past Saturday. Want to talk about the All-Star Weekend, what's been working, what we think might need to make a change as well. And then obviously, the Suns made some moves before the trade deadline. And I know Chris has some fun ones for Reddit Reacts, but... If you're with us live, watching back on playback, or listening on podcast streaming services, you know what? We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Make sure you guys head over to AZ underscore VSP on Instagram because you know what? A lot of you guys already know we're doing our Phoenix Suns ticket giveaway for the season. It's for the February 25th matchup against the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James, Anthony Davis. Sounds like Bradley Beal is going to be okay. Let's cross our fingers so you get to see all the big three as well in some awesome seats. Section 109, row 11. You know, bring your family, bring a friend. Have a good time at the Suns game. Our drawing is going down this Friday, so if you haven't joined, make sure you do it now. Once again, head over to AZ underscore VSP on Instagram. You can find that for all of our socials as well. But Chris, man. Let's get into it. I think right off the bat, what did we say? We got to get going with U of A versus ASU, right? Uh, man, how could we not talk about this? I watched the end of the game on uh, Saturday night, and I had to text the fellas right away. Just what an ugly final score. What an ugly game. 105 to 60, Mike? Oof. Ooh, my goodness, man. It really was a crazy one, and I think probably – most of those guys who were currently on the team from last year for U of A, they felt some type of way after Devin Cambridge's half-court heave to win that game. It really propelled ASU into the tournament, I would say, at the end of the day. But what a shellacking, right? My goodness. U of A had six guys in double figures. Uh, they were led by Jaden Bradley, who had 21 points in 21 minutes. Umar Balo and Caleb Love, who you can see on the graphic, both right there. With 15 each, Caleb Love has been a real nice addition from UNC. But, man, ASU has been struggling this year, 13-13 record. You know, they've lost eight of the last 11, including a five-game losing streak. Uh, before, they did have back-to-back -back wins against Utah and Oregon State before that matchup. But sixth in the Pac-12, they're definitely on the outside looking in. I don't know if they're going to really have any kind of chance to make the tournament this year, unfortunately. But... Chris, before I kind of break down some of the things that we saw in this game, I want to know what your thoughts are just high level with this ASU program and and where do they go with Bobby Hurley moving forward, I guess? Yeah, it's like that's the number one question, right, is what are they going to do about Bobby Hurley? And you can't ask the athletic director for ASU because they don't fucking have one right now. It's just a program in turmoil. Just all sports programs for ASU right now are looking pretty, pretty bleak, 
honestly. I, I'd love to pick Ben Miller's brain maybe on a future uh, roundtable on this and really deep dive his thoughts. But like you said, Mike, high level. I just think it's incredible that post Sean Miller era, the University of Arizona is still able to find success in basketball and not even post uh, Sean Miller era. They've been successful for a long time and able to recruit, able to get that talent, and then even able to hire coaches and make these moves to continue to be a successful program. I just think it speaks volumes really to the priorities there. I, I mean, you can talk about ASU having a better football program at times, but we even saw back this year, U of A whooped them in football too. So it's it sucks man i mean we are here pretty close i mean we're in the valley right so we closely see asu we're, we have higher levels of exposure than we do to the team down south there but for asu man i just think this is a tough loss because you mentioned that they had six players in double figures it wasn't just one guy that beat us it was their whole team just success and I, I know Bobby Hurley was on the local radio saying that he was pissed. He ran these guys into the ground, Bobby Knight style after that loss. But is that going to save your job, Bobby? I don't know. And I don't know if it's entirely his fault either. It's just crazy when you compare it to last year, right, where they had that last second heave in the win. Maybe they shouldn't have won that game, but at least it was close, even if they lost. And they got into the tournament, whereas now this season, they started off strong. We're leading the conference for a while. But now they're sitting middle of the pack, probably not even going to make the tournament. So where do you go from here if you're ASU? I really don't know. I think you need to hire an athletic director first. Right off the top, right? That's what you got to do. You got to get the in-house stuff handled first. Bobby Hurley has been around for a long time at this point. I mean, we're creeping up on a decade if we aren't already at it, right? And with the transition over to the Big 12, I think for any of these schools right now, changing the coach you know, some people think about it as, well, it's a fresh start for everybody, right? So you can get off on the right foot with a new person and start installing a different system going up against different talent, right? But I think Bobby Hurley has invested as much as he can into this program. And I think if I'm an ASU fan, I would want to make sure that he sticks around for this transition because man, like you said, if you don't have an athletic director, at least you have somebody that you can fall back on. But we're going to have plenty of discussions once the season comes about for that when ASU and U of A eventually go into the Big 12. But Chris, I got to look at this game one more time. And you could tell right off the bat from this one that it was going to be <laughs> something special if you're a U of A fan. I mean, they started off the game from the tip, like literally Omar Ballo tips it hustles down the floor and it's an outlet pass for a dunk for the first two points of the game. Like that can't happen, man, to start. That's just general laziness. But the first 10 minutes, it was back and forth. And then ASU, man, the turnovers started hitting them. Just a lot of lazy perimeter defense. You could see Arizona shot 40% from three point line, but just the true talk about this game was the easy pick and roll game that U of A was just beaten ASU to death with 52 points in the paint. That's why you see that field goal percentage so high. ASU was struggling with some early foul trouble, specifically their seven footer, Sean Phillips. He picked up two fouls in the first four minutes and then his third with three twelve left. So when you don't have an inside presence, uh, you're just going to struggle. And U of A took advantage, man, absolutely took advantage. And it, 
I mean, once again, you could just see these stats in front of you. It talks the tale of the tape for a 45-point victory. I mean, out-rebounding ASU 46-28. to They limit second-chance opportunities because of those defensive rebounds. Arizona, they spread the ball with 21 assists. You know, ASU only had 12 turnovers in the grand scheme of things. That isn't that bad, but comparative to Vive. And then they struggled from the foul line. It was just a mess of a day, man. And I don't want to beat this one to death because this is definitely one of those games, if you're an ASU fan, where you just got to flush it and move forward. I like Bobby Hurley running them into the ground because after that kind of a disappointing performance, Yeah, Mike, you got you got muted there somehow. Do you have any kind of last thoughts from this game here, Chris? Yeah, I mean, just like again, looking at it at a bit of a high level, I just think it's it's interesting, right? Because if you look on these websites that do the mock drafts and rake rank college basketball players, Arizona doesn't have any one guy who's projected to be a first round pick or even really be moving on to the NBA. So you're talking about a team that was built from the ground up more or less, and it's continued to find success. Now, of course, on the other hand, ASU also doesn't have any guys that are prospected to be in the draft. And by and large, the majority of college basketball players, I mean, literally the majority, 99% are not going to be in the NBA. We know that. But when you're talking about a team in U of A who right now, even after the game, Bobby Hurley had high praise and said that they are one of the few, if not one of the only teams that could win the national championship this year. To not have an NBA talent, quote unquote, on their roster and being able to do that, I think speaks volumes. And in this game in particular, I just these stats you have on the screen really stand out. It had you can, the assists, you know, the, the plus seven differential and turnovers there. That's tough, but that doesn't cause you to lose by 45. What it really is, is that rebound differential, what, 18 more rebounds than ASU, as well as 12 more assists. That's And the field goal percentage, obviously. you got to make shots to, to win. But it just, I think, exposes a lot of glaring weaknesses in ASU this season and as a program in general and kind of highlights how strong of a program Arizona is. That's true. I mean, I couldn't have said it any better, Chris. But U of A, man, they're on a hot streak, right? They've won the past six they're 20 and five ranked fourth in the country like you said it sounds like it's going to be a consensus number one seed for them once the ncaa tournament starts but tommy lloyd's eight-man rotation just has become so strong for this unit and i i don't know about you chris like we were talking before this i don't have true allegiances for either of these schools like I just want Arizona to represent. So at the end of the day, if U of A can make a push, that would be awesome. One thing that we know from kind of the past decade, it seems like, though, is they're one of those teams that might get pushed out in the first round. So if it happens, I wouldn't be surprised. It's obviously not what we're hoping for. But ASU, we just need to have them go strong to finish this season. Got, I think, about four more games and try and make a push in that Pac-12 tournament because at the end of the day, you get automatic bid if you win that game, right? So cross your fingers for that. And, you know, the beautiful thing is ASU does have another crack at U of A this year, right? Wednesday, next Wednesday, February 28th, a late one, 8 p.m. at Desert Financial Arena. 
Just don't look at the lines, Chris, because right now U of A is favored 94.1%. My goodness. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that, obviously. But with that being said, we got to move forward. Obviously, this past weekend, the 2024 NBA All-Star Weekend took place in Indianapolis. Had some fun. Had some snores as well. Not going to lie about that one. But overall, I think for the Phoenix Suns, it was a successful weekend. Both Kevin Durant and Devin Booker were in that game. Did some nice things. Unfortunately, the West just got absolutely pounded overall. 211 to 186 behind, I think, Dame with 39 points. Didn't Cat have 50 points as well? Yeah. <laughs> I, I do remember hearing that one comment that Draymond Green said, though, where he was like, this kind of seems like a normal cat thing. He has 40, and they're down by 20. Uh, don't love Draymond, but that did make me chuckle. But overall, from the weekend, man, Ruffles Celebrity Game, they introduced the new LED court, which I thought was cool. Uh, I probably would have some kind of aneurysm and throw up if I was actually playing on that court, but... Team Shannon won 100-91 to over Team Stephen A. Smith. Micah Parsons had 37 in that game. Then, honestly, probably my favorite part of the weekend was the Panini Rising Stars Challenge with Team Jalen Rose and obviously the hometown kid for both Arizona, right, because he's a U of A guy, and for Indiana, ended up getting the MVP over that G League roster of Mac McClung and those other guys. But then All-Star Saturday is, I, I think, where a lot of these conversations start to happen in regard to what needs to be changed in order to kind of get the fans back into good graces with, what, with what's going on on All-Star Weekend in general, right? The Skills Challenge had Team Pacers taking it. Damian Lillard back-to-back -back with the three-point contest, as well as Mac McClung with the slam dunk. And then the new wrinkle that I think a lot of people liked as well was – Stephen Curry versus Sabrina Ionasco from the New York Liberty. Steph squeaked that one out 29 to 26, but that was a cool wrinkle to throw in that we hadn't seen before. So, Chris, I got to ask you right off the bat, what was your favorite part of All-Star Weekend? And then what's got you down about what's happening with this, you know, over the past decade, man? Ooh, that's, that's a great question. I mean... The NBA All-Star Weekend, I feel like, has lost a lot of the luster that it once had. And they've tried to do things. And even this year, you saw, like you mentioned, the, the glass court, the LED court, the three-point contest with Steph and Sabrina. They're trying to add some more fun things in there. Some of it comes off as a little gimmicky, but I think, um, you know, highlights, I think that three-point contest is pretty cool. Um, highlight, the, the one between Steph and Sabrina, I mean, highlight the WNBA players a little bit. Obviously, she could hold her own. I was curious the logistics of it, if she would be shooting from the WNBA three-point line or the NBA three-point line. And correct me if I'm wrong, but in watching it, it looked like they were both shooting from the NBA three-point range, right? So, yeah. So, props to her. I mean, right up there with them, she's a fantastic shooter obviously i think if you put the numbers of their three-point shooting contest next to the actual three-point contest she would have been at just at the top of that list and steph would have actually won it um was it did dame have 26 to win the three-point shooting contest or to my knowledge i think it was 26 yeah 26. yeah so i mean there you go right there so th that's fun I, I like that of course no surprise steph steph wins that one he's just 
unreal. I think it's funny because uh, Damian Lillard also, he was the MVP and the three-point contest winner. And they asked him about what his preparation was for the three-point contest. And he said, no preparation. I just show up and I shoot because that's what I do. Um, I think, I don't know, one of my favorite things, it was almost laughable, is when Luka Doncic missed a wide-open dunk trying to be cute with it. And then on the very next play, Damian Lillard chucks up a half-court shot and drills it from three three with so much time left. Absolutely so much time. Um, one of the things I think I could do without, though, is that LED court. I think it was just a little bit much. And like you said, might give might cause some seizures or uh, other medical conditions. I'm not a doctor, but... It, yeah, it was honestly crazy. I did like some aspects of it where in the celebrity game, they had a little contest, like a shooting contest, and whichever three guys won it, they got to be on fire for five minutes, and they would have like the trail of the fire behind them for those five minutes going wherever they went. So it was cool to do that kind of thing. I think they had some times where they would have their names like circling around them, but yeah, the super over-aggressive flashy stuff that's happening with it sometimes that's just a little bit over aggressive but it's trying something new right that's what the nba has to do because all we consistently hear year after year it seems like is man this is becoming more of a snooze fest what do they have to do to improve this kind of stuff and i think that there are things that you can improve on and there's just some things that they are what they are, right? Like the three-point contest, what what can you really do either than add a money ball, extra money ball, put those two slots? So but you're kind of capped out on that, right? The Rising Stars Challenge is about seeing the brand new talent within the NBA, those rookies and those sophomores. I've loved them adding the G League team and some of those standout guys from there who could be, you know, future NBA guys. And the best part about that was those guys kind of competed. Like you could tell there was energy with that game and those little tournament games. I think it was to 40 for the first two. And then the last one was I think 24, 25. Yeah. But those guys were ready to go. The NBA all-star game. They did the let's pick our friends. Let's have captains. Let's do this. Let's transition it back to East versus West. Right now with no true i guess you know carrot at the end of the day for guys to really compete for you're going to continue to get what you get because the bigger over overall conversation about this chris is if one of these guys were to get hurt and lose the opportunity to meet that new 65 game threshold to be an all nba guy or to make one of those teams or to be in the mvp race which at the end of the day can affect the contract that these guys can sign. Nobody's going to give a damn about really competing in these games anymore. But I got to ask you specifically for the all-star game, what do you think they could make in regard to a change that could bring back some kind of competitive nature for this game? That's a really good question, man. And it, it's hard to say. I, I, I hear what you're saying about them adding things, tweaking things, trying to make it more entertaining. And honestly, I think they might be doing too much. I think, honestly, if you strip it down, bring it back to how it was, I mean, I'm, I'm going to sound old now, but maybe 20 years ago, where it was skills, three-point dunk contest, all-star game. And the all-star game was something that was actually competitive that people wanted to watch. I mean, like, again, like you mentioned, they did the whole uh, 
captains, LeBron and Giannis or whatever, draft your teams. And I think a big part of that probably had to do with the East just being so weak for so many years. But now they got plenty of stars in the East. So I, I do like that they brought back the East versus West. But it's it's almost as laughable as the Pro Bowl game for football. Like you see absolutely no defense and you don't want anyone to get hurt. Obviously that's why they're not going balls out. But I mean, I think there's a, a happy middle ground. I mean, you play basketball professionally as, as your job. Like Mike, all these guys do is play basketball. I think the least you could do is at least give 75% effort in a game. I'm not saying go hack a motherfucker, but like, come on. I mean, the I think I saw a post where the final score of an all-star game, whatever back in the day was like 111 to 98. And that was basically the score at halftime of this game that we saw this weekend. So it's just, I think for fans, like I had no interest in watching the all-star game. It's like another post I saw was somebody say like, these are the highest level basketball players playing like they're on the playground, which it depends. You know, some people you ask, they might say like, that's fun. I like seeing Dame launch shots with from the logo with nine minutes left in the quarter. I think that's really cool. And then other people are like, I think we could see a really cool basketball game if we had these guys actually play and play competitively. And it's like, I think with the amount of money these guys are making now, whether it's, especially when you're talking about the all-stars, right? These are all guys with big contracts, big endorsements, plenty of money coming in. I don't think there's a monetary incentive you can put up to make these guys play harder. So if I'm Adam Silver, if I'm even in his cabinet or in the league office, I have no suggestion, honestly, even even just sitting these guys down and being like, hey, can you guys play a little harder? They'll be like, yeah, we'll play harder. And then it's just the same shit. So I really, honestly, Mike, I don't know what you do as far as what it, when it comes to the All-Star game itself. But with the other things, I think you might might strip it back a little bit. I will agree. I like the Rising Stars wrinkle they've thrown in there. I think that's really cool. Uh, again, I'll double down that I liked the, the special three-point contest with Steph and Sabrina, but I don't know, man. I, again, last thing I'll say, though, that I thought was kind of funny. I don't know if you saw it. There's a streamer. I might mispronounce his last name, but it's like Kai Sinat or Kai Sinet. He was on his stream saying, I'm going to drop 40. I'm going to drop 50. I'm going to ball out a ball so hard. And then he hardly got the ball. He was like wide open, waving his arms under the basket, didn't get the ball. I think he ended up with four points. And uh, I think he only had two. Two points. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, he made a couple of appearances, man. He was the one who was sitting in that chair as Jalen Brown jumped over him and did the D Brown, you know, covering his eyes after he made the dunk. He was catching some flack from Shannon Sharp, calling him three foot tall. And then when he sits down, he's only one foot five. <laughs> so, oh, he was going crazy. But yeah, I that's why I do enjoy the celebrity game as well. I, one thing I would say is, Man, I think you just have to be a certified hooper to be in that game, though. Like, there's enough celebrities out there that can semi-decently play. Why are we having AJ from the Backstreet Boys playing in this game? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's plenty of guys. They don't all have to be YouTubers. But I know that there's some singers and athletes that really can really get it done. So that was why it was cool. Like, Micah Parsons put on a show, man. He could hoop. Same as Puka Nakua. That's why that team ended up winning because both of those guys were pretty solid. But T-Jazz tried to hold it down for the other team. Couldn't really scratch it out, unfortunately. But th there's some different aspects. I like what you say when it comes down to stripping it down, man. One thing I would say, I would say take the skill challenge out. I don't need it anymore. 
especially if it's just going to be these team things where they're running around and everybody has to like do like a three-man weave to make the passes like no just put guys up against each other i don't need a team aspect for a skills challenge right i don't need it the three-point contest it is what it is it's always something that you want to have around because you want to have the best shooters in the game to really show what they can do in in that kind of a situation because we know it's different right some guys are catch and shoot guys some guys are have to come off the dribble so if you can take it off the rack and put up 25 and be in a chance to win it that's awesome but let's also make sure that the top five guys in the in fucking three-point percentage are in the damn contest right like let's make sure that Grayson Al is in there let's hopefully they ask Kevin Durant who's a top five guy as well and this isn't just a homer thing this is if you've done it through the season when it comes down to the all-star break those best guys who have been performing the whole fucking season should be doing it right like that's not a crazy thing to do but I think the only other thing I would say is the all the the slam dunk contest John Morant said what would get him to do it? Million dollars. Okay, maybe you can do that so you can get the best guys to do it. But I'm with you for the all-star game. You're stuck in a pickle, man. Maybe it comes down to three-on-three or king of the court. Like It's just, it's just not working. And unless a really big change happens, I think we're going to continue to see the same thing year in, year out. But Chris, ah. Uh, Enough of All-Star Weekend. It's time for the second half of the season. But before we move forward, I'll let you have the floor if you got anything else that you want to say from All-Star break. Yeah, man, just to piggyback off what you were saying there about the skills competition, I do agree. It, with its current format, I could do without it. But if we go back to the you know 2005 format, the 2010 format when Steve Nash won that, where it was, it was at least interesting, right? It was player versus player. It didn't have this weird team thing. I did catch a little bit of that. Um, what would it have been on Saturday night when they were doing it? And uh, didn't catch my interest. I saw a guy dribble off his foot. Again, similar to the All-Star game, just guys really kind of not not into it, just laughing. And it, it doesn't have to be the most serious thing, right? It's All-Star weekend is supposed to be fun, a celebration, a, a time to relax. But at the same time, like when you're talking about something that's supposed to entertain me, like I was not entertained by that skills competition. But otherwise... I don't know. I don't hate All-Star Weekend. It is what it is, and and we've come to expect it. But I think there's definitely room for improvement. Yeah, that's all you have to do. You just got to keep trying. <laughs> that's all they can do, man. But unfortunately, or fortunately, as long as Phoenix Suns players are in it, I'm going to be tuning in to see how they do, at least for the first half. Then I got bored and I turned it off. I'm going to be honest with you, Chris. But the All-Star Break is officially over. Games are restarting tomorrow. The Phoenix Suns have 27 games left. And if you guys tuned in to our live stream last week, we did talk about what the Phoenix Suns did for the trade deadline, obviously moving off of Chemezi Metu, Yuta Watanabe, Jordan Goodwin. And who's the last one that I'm missing, Chris? I always miss one, I feel like. Kata Bates-Diop. Kata Bates-Diop going to the Nets. Uh, it was a three-team deal bringing in Royce O'Neal and David Roddy to the Phoenix Suns. We also officially signed Thaddeus Young as well for the rest of this season. But we're moving into outlet point guard, Chris, and I got to focus on the one guy who I think is really going to move the needle for the Phoenix Suns, and that's Royce O'Neal. So I'm just going to drop this on you. We got a quick six-pack. 
One thing that we talked about when he came in is he's kind of a 3 and D guy, and I love his size. He can match up with the bigger guys like DeMontis Sabonis. He's just a real smart player, man. He understands openings, when to swing the rock, when to find his guys. Just like this one as well, hits him with that pump fake, dives in, sees Saban Lee cutting down for that nice, easy finish right there. But this is the bread and butter, Chris, right? This is the bread and butter of what we're going to get from Royce O'Neal. It's his three-point range right now. I mean, only a three-game sample size for the Phoenix Suns. He's averaging seven points, five rebounds, three assists. But he's shooting very well so far in, in his limited touches, 42% from the field, 47 from three, man. Love it. I mean, 16 shots overall. Only three of them have been twos, Chris. Like. What have you been seeing from Royce O'Neal? And I'll bring it back up to the top for you that you're excited about. And where do you think, man, this really helps the Phoenix Suns moving forward? Yeah, it's got to be exactly what you said. The three and the D. He is filling two roles that we needed him to. We needed a guy on the defensive end who could help out because we know Devin Booker, not the strongest defender. It's gotten better. But then other guys on the roster, I mean, we've lent, leaned on um, Josh Okogie to be kind of that defensive anchor. And he's kind of started to take a step back this season. And not just on the defensive end, offensively, too. I mean, you cannot trust Josh Okogie to take a three-pointer, which is, I feel like, what he was advertised as last year is that guy that we can rely on to knock down the three. So we bring in a Royce O'Neal, and you can see already filling that job. He's confident, even with a hand coming across. On, the pump fake got him some space, but didn't get him completely wide open, but he's still able to knock it down. So you got a clutch, confident shooter that you can rely on. He's familiar with playing with Kevin Durant. They were together in Brooklyn there for those couple of years that KD was out there. So I really like the addition of Royce O'Neal. I mean, of course, Probably in, when you talk about that trade, probably not going to see David Roddy sniff the floor too much. Probably not going to see him contributing. But the fact that Royce O'Neal shows up here on day one, already assimilating into this offense and the rhythm and finding teammates as well as his own open shot, I'm really excited to see what he can do, man, once the once the rest of the season gets rolling and we have these last 27 games play out. Yeah. And like you said, they slow rolled him right off the start after the trade in Golden State, right? Only 11 minutes, had three shot attempts, one three, uh, but made some defensive presence, had four rebounds as well. And then they were just like, okay, dude, go ahead. 30 minutes against the Kings. Had a great showing just overall, man. One thing that we're seeing from him is he just kind of fills the stat sheets in every aspect, right? Nine points, four rebounds, five assists, and four steals against the Kings. And it was pretty much more the same in less time, 24 minutes versus Detroit, nine points, seven rebounds, three assists, two steals, three from six from deep. Man, I am just very excited by this right here, his ability to match up with bigger guys on the inside and really kind of hold his own ground because we know that DeMontis Sabonis is really a crafty inside player. I think the one thing that, he's always kind of got slack for and when I'm talking about DeMontis Sabonis is he does they say he's got kind of like T-Rex arms for his size he's got a little bit shorter of arms so maybe that's why Royce was able to kind of switch around and get his arm in front of it but that's just effort dude how many times have we talked about guys on our team where it's like man they could really show out if effort was just shown on a more consistent basis am I wrong 
No, no, I don't think you're wrong at all. I, effort's a huge part of basketball. And we see that even playing at the level we do, where if you're a guy who maybe isn't putting up all the scoring numbers, maybe isn't the most hard-nosed defender, if you're willing to hustle and play hard and try hard, you can find a way onto the court at any level. And I, I love a guy like that in Royce O'Neal, especially in a day and age when you see a lot of NBA players kind of, I don't want to say being lazy, but not doing as much as they could, whether that's out of fear of injury or just understanding that these are the biggest, strongest, best players in the in the world. So why would I rush out and get a hand up when I know he's just going to have a chance to make the shot? Why would I try and steal that pass when I know he's bigger than me and he's going to box me in? I mean, since you made that comment about Sabonis, I can't stop seeing his arms and especially the way he's flailing them there in that clip. <laughs> what the hell? Oh, it's the truth, man. It's the truth. Uh, I mean, man, he's just already showing on the defensive end, specifically in steals so far. I will say right there at the end, though, uh, handle that ball a little bit with more care. He didn't turn it over there, so we'll give him, we'll give him a pass. But uh, this is just an easy play that you know, ninety nine percent of NBA players should be able to make on a nightly basis, right? Driving, seeing that low defender. Uh, you know, Phil to come over and help in Alex Len and trust in your teammates. We know that Josh Okoge isn't the biggest knockdown guy, but instead of trying to just throw a little floater crazy off-footed over that seven-footer in Alex Len, he says, all right, Josh, this is your time. You're going to have to cash it. And one thing for Josh is if he wants to stay in this rotation, he's going to have to. But Royce is just a smart player, man, and it's impressive. He's seven years in the league, and – he just continues to do the little things that you need from a guy off the bench. And it's been really incredible to see him already kind of mesh with these guys in such a short time, right? Absolutely, man. And I, I got to ask you another question. I mean, as, as it comes to building this team, I mean, I guess this might be the first question I'm asking you, but we look at the contrib contributions that Royce O'Neal's making off the bench. Would you say that it's fair to say that he could be a starter on a lesser team given his capabilities. Yeah, 100%. And I'm kind of surprised that he didn't start with Brooklyn, right? I, I'd have to look back in on his career and see what he did with the Utah Jazz. But there's just some guys who are just absolutely role fitters, and that's what Royce O'Neal seems to have done for the beginning of his career because it just seems like the only thing we ever hear – from people who talk about him past and present is just the presence that he is right within what he does. Just such an incredible shooter, man. This is his patent right there, right? The ball fake dribble to the left. Like we're going to see that a lot and we're already seeing it in some of not even his shots, but his fake to drive. So, and just consistent, no fear, right? One thing I'll say about this play, Chris, is I think this is underrated move for shooters in general is when it comes down to drives off the ball, you see how he shuffles his feet about two or three steps to the right just because he's in movement with Grayson Allen and looking to make that pass a little bit easier and in his sight line, right? That's a straight across pass. If he sticks to the high end, that's a little bit harder for Grayson to kind of shift his shoulders and basically push it opposite to get to him. And on this last one too, you can kind of see it. It's small steps, but if you're a natural shooter and that's what you do on a day-to-day -day basis, 
man, it's just second nature, but it's sometimes things that guys don't think about, right? Like on this pay, play towards the end of the game, less than one minute left, Book takes the double team up here, and all Royce does is take two, three small shuffle steps over and immediately knows that he's going to take it. doesn't matter that little T-Rex arm Sabonis is running at him. Exactly. It's the work you do off the ball. I mean, I know everyone's attention is always fixated on the ball handler who has the ball in their hand, but you got to understand there is so much that happens off ball that creates the success and him, Devin Booker. I mean, it starts with Devin Booker recognizing that double doubles coming his way and Royce O'Neal, even in that clip being ready to catch and shoot it, even with a guy closing out late on him, that, that ability, that's that intelligence, this play right here, Royce O'Neal, he, again, probably could have stepped up a little bit, but he was open. He was ready and he got it. It's the off the ball work. And it just, it's signs of a smart basketball player. So I don't know a lot about Royce O'Neal admittedly, but I'm excited to learn more about him as we, as we see him play. Lots of things to be excited for when it comes down to the Phoenix Suns and everybody who's listening. I think we got to cut it short on our Suns talk today, specifically for Royce O'Neal. Because we got a heat check podcast coming at you guys next week. We'll be recording this weekend. But man, I'm so excited to get these guys involved. Let's see what Thad Young can do. I think David Roddy, like we said, is, is a guy that's a filler, a future project kind of guy. Don't know how much minutes he's going to get. Either then, when you're beating the snot out of teams like the Detroit Pistons. But excited to have him along for the ride as well. But Tomorrow, we're going to have a Phoenix Suns recap hitting you guys as well. And one of our favorite quotes in that is, there's a whole lot of reasons to be optimistic about this Phoenix Suns team. And that's the damn truth. But with that being said, Chris, I'll pass it over to you, man. It's time for Red Reacts. What do you got this time? It's about that time. I scoured the internet, Reddit x.com and the like. You know, we do call this Reddit Reacts. It was born out of our favorite subreddit on the website r slash sons and mike i was telling you before we started recording they've been letting me down a little bit man they they used to be memers they used to get the laughs now it's a lot of serious talk and a lot of posts and discussions which there's a time and a place for that but we're all looking for a laugh right but don't worry i got you covered we got some topics that we've been hearing or floating about and so like i said went and found some visuals to go along with this so if you're just listening back make sure you come on over to youtube so you can check these out but i'll do the best i can to explain what we're seeing here so we'll start off with this post from nba central at the dunk central on x.com this is the official non-parody account and uh there's a report related to the drew eubanks isaiah stewart incident saying that drew eubanks barely flinched after isaiah stewart punched him in the face and stood there stone cold so a lot of questions still around this, Mike. I mean, we heard it was before the game, even before the teams made it to the locker room, Eubanks was on his way into the stadium. Isaiah Stewart dropped his bags, ran over, punched Eubanks in the mouth, and then was arrested, I guess, and, and charged or something like that. Um, Eubanks was questionable at that point, but ended up playing in that game. Isaiah Stewart was never going to play in the game because he was already out with an injury or something like that. Just really weird. Just really weird, Mike. Um, but what do you think of uh, Eubanks being stone cold and not reacting to the punch? Does it mean Isaiah Stewart has a soft punch or Eubanks is just that much of a stud? 
Uh, one thing that we always hear is that, you know, there's a reason that basketball players play basketball and they're not jujitsu fighters or boxers, right? Like, I don't know how many of these guys have ever fought on a true consistent basis. I mean, we've seen plenty of these guys try and throw a punch and it's almost like overhand freaking fist. It's just ugly as hell, but I'm going from the aspect that this just absolutely certifies Drew Eubanks as a brick shit house and I'm I'm not surprised whatsoever. The guy is absolutely built, right? He's damn near seven foot if he's not already seven foot, but he is just a stocky motherfucker for his size, man. So I love it, man. Stone cold taking the shot. This thing just flew out of left field on us, though, Chris, because that first matchup against Detroit, something must have happened, which led to this whole situation between Isaiah Stewart and Drew Eubanks. But we never really caught wind of it from that first matchup. And then for it to happen in the tunnel, are we surprised that Isaiah Stewart did it? I don't think so, because you got to remember, this is the same guy who was going crazy, having to be held back by three of his teammates and security guards trying to run after LeBron James. So the dude's a nutcase already, but uh, I'm kind of crossing my fingers that this tape comes out, because I want to see how big of a cockback it was for the punch, or if it was one of those just, you know, quick in your face kind of things and then the hand goes up quick movement because that'll depend on what it looks like at the end of the day with how tough that punch might have been right yeah that's a good point like a flying haymaker is much different than like an enclosed little jab and i think if i was remembering correctly from earlier reports is that they were kind of chest to chest at first maybe uh one or the other was talking some shit but again we're also curious to know what the whole story is like why did this even happen and uh, uh, we have another report here this is actually from the parody account nba centel um isaiah stewart divorced his wife after the child came out with a slightly different skin tone the child turned out to be fathered by drew eubanks <laughs> oh man nba centel i like that one at at tmz sports now of course this is a parody account so probably not true but uh Seems legit. See, see, this is the stuff that we're hoping from Reddit, man. Like, it's Suns fans. It's time to step it up, right? We can't be letting NBA Centaur outshine us. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the way that he took that punch, the way that Isaiah Stewart was the one who got arrested, now I think he's going to have to come back in town to see kind of what happens. I wouldn't be surprised if Drew, Drew Eubanks doesn't, press any charges or anything like that you know a lot of those guys talked about it's a brotherhood at the end of the day if you're an nba player right so the last thing you want to do is become that guy where it's like oh watch out if you touch if you touch drew on the court he might throw a case at you you know like he he doesn't want to get that moniker and you know just let bygones be bygones time to move forward and that kind of stuff but what a wild situation just in general with everything that happened in that game too, right? Because that was the game that Devin Booker got ejected within the first quarter, which was just ridiculous. But good luck to Isaiah Stewart, man. I hope he gets everything uh, worked out on a legal front. Yeah, yeah, I guess. And and, I mean, you're right there. Like if you're Drew Eubanks, you don't want to pursue this further. Like obviously you weren't hurt to the point where you can't continue your NBA career. Like there was no monetary damages maybe his feelings got hurt but honestly 
if Drew was stone cold, it seems fine. I, I just hate it for the narrative of the Suns because we saw earlier in the year Nurkic and Draymond having a bit of a scuffle. And there was that false report that came out that Nurkic was considering pressing charges on Draymond. And it's like, what? Now are the Suns big guys going to be known as like the if you touch us, we'll sue you? type of thing and i just think it's totally unfair if you to compare the two situations is unfair and i, I haven't seen anyone doing that luckily but I, I just think it's so ridiculous but i do love the memes i always appreciate a good meme and you're absolutely right the sun's reddit does need to step it up um and for that reason we're gonna stick with x.com because apparently this is where it's at now mike this isn't necessarily meme related but it is going to be good conversation, I think. Uh, over the weekend, All-Star Weekend, Charles Barkley had some comments to make about Kevin Durant. His quote was, Kevin is a follower. He's not a leader. He's proven that on all of his stops. Mm. So there is a lot of debate on whether being called a follower is an insult to a guy of Kevin Durant's caliber and whether Charles meant it as a slight or if he was just meant, meant like, hey, he's not cut out to be a leader. He's a great player, but he's not going to be the guy to lead you to the promised land. What What do you make of those comments? Well, Chris, this one has taken a life of its own, right? And it was cool to see Kevin Durant go on the boardroom show as well, just kind of right after this, and address these comments and talked about, you know, how he's has a different personality. He's not that guy who's crazy out of the box. He's not really built for TV. But at the end of the day, if you're not in the gym with him and you're not seeing the work that he does and being there on a 24-7 basis as far as being a teammate, it's hard to really listen and take for truth a comment from somebody like Charles Barkley. Now, Charles Barkley has a lot of you know, resume, a very high resume, a lot of repertoire between NBA players. He's been there. He's done that. So there's a grain of salt that people give him in some of his comments. But it's over the past couple of years, Chris, and I want to get your thoughts on this as well, is is it Charles Barkley being worried about his legacy in Phoenix falling down from where it is that is probably considered at least, you know, a top two, if not the number one guy when it comes to Phoenix Suns all-time players? Devin Booker is going to surpass that faster if he hasn't already done it, right? But for a guy to not really know what Kevin Durant does in his leadership role, it's hard for him to say that he's a follower, right? There's different styles of leadership, right? You don't have to be the rah-rah, I'm going to freaking put you in your place like Chris Paul. There's different types of leadership at the end of the day, right? On a recap that I've been editing, man, there's a great shot of Kevin Durant getting hype at the end of the game, giving a big dap to Josh Okoge, hyping him up, right? Taking Bull Bull under his wing, helping him grow his game. Like there's different ways to be a leader. So to categorize somebody as a follower because it doesn't fall into your style of leadership is a short-sighted way to make comments in general. So I didn't love it, man. I didn't love it, but I've loved all the conversations that it has stemmed from everybody in the Valley when it comes to Valley sports, man, because everybody has a different viewpoint. There's a lot of people who say, man, you know, that's what it is. Like Kevin Durant has never been that guy. Charles Barkley might have some truth to that. Blah, 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 blah. This is a good conversation for anybody who 
is interested in these kind of topics, man. But my viewpoint on it is I, I, I don't think Charles Barkley has any ground to stand on when it comes down to talking about Kevin Durant as a follower within, within his entire career when you could probably say that those two championships that the Warriors won while he was there were focused through his play and his leadership on the floor, right? There's different styles at the end of the day. Well, exactly. And that's the biggest thing is that there's not just one style of leadership. And I know especially it's easy for basketball fans to look at the big picture and look at the greats who were leaders like Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. And they were the extreme end, right? They were bark at you, talk down on you, dog talk you. They'd they'd be your biggest champion, but they'd also be your biggest critic. And you got to take that, you know, good and bad. And not everyone responds the same way to that style of leadership either, so to say Kevin Durant isn't a leader, I think is is disingenuous. Um, as I'm kind of continuing to to piggyback off what you said, I'll pull this up here. Um, this was Kevin Durant in an, in an interview. I don't know if it was with Dwayne Rankin or just speaking to the media in general, but on the comments made by Charles Barkley, Kevin Durant said, it's just part of TV. They need something to fill the segment up. So they talk about some negative shit. But if you're not in the gym, I don't respect your opinion if you're not in the gym with me. And that's exactly what you said, Mike. You're, they're not there when the cameras aren't on seeing how Kevin Durant's leading. They're not seeing him talking to his players and or his teammates in, in text message conversations or in practice or outside of practice or even during the game, really. I, I mean, Kevin Durant, is he the guy who's going to bark at you on the court? Maybe not. But is he also the guy that's going to huddle everyone up at the free throw line and, and strategize? I, I'm pretty sure I've seen him do that from time to time. I mean, it's it's funny when you when you talk about Charles Barkley potentially worrying about his legacy. I think a lot of people forget that Charles was only here for four seasons, four years, maybe maybe three seasons. I'm not 100 percent on that. Now, his impact was great. We made it to the finals and he is definitely one of the Suns legends in the ring of honor. But you talk about guys like Devin Booker, for sure, I think has passed him legacy wise having been to the same mark i mean he he's been a multiple time all-star he's been to the finals he's lost just as many finals as charles barkley has so would you say that steve nash wasn't a leader just because he wasn't that intense guy barking down your throat i would argue steve nash was a great leader for that team especially amari stoudemire i think his success was greatly predicated on steve nash maybe not mentoring him but leading him whether it was through his incredible passes getting him open or whatever he was saying in his ear. I don't think Amari Stoudemire would doubt that at all, but it's it's a different day and age, man. And I, I think it's funny when we look at that previous clip I pulled, it was from an alternate broadcast of the All-Star game where exactly what Kevin Durant's here. They just saying here, they needed some shit to fill the time. What are you going to talk about? So Kevin Durant's on the court. Someone brings up Kevin Durant. And Charles just has to say something to fill time. Now, he might honestly believe that. He might believe it. But again, going back to how I, I you know, prefaced everything is, was it said maliciously or was he saying it as a matter of fact? Like he honestly thinks Kevin Durant's not a leader and, and sees no problem with him being a follower. Or was it a dig at Kevin Durant saying, oh, he, he just follows. And it, it's funny because I've also heard more conversation about Kevin Durant just being so unique as far as an NBA star in the criticism that's been leveraged towards him. I mean, for most guys in the NBA, and when you talk about legacy, it's 
How many rings do you have? How many awards do you have? What does your hardware look like? And for Kevin Durant, he went to Golden State at a time where he had come off the loss in the Western Conference Finals. Or was it the actual finals? Western Conference Finals. Western Conference Finals. Yeah, yeah they were up 3-1. Yeah, remember. Yep. Up 3-1. Lost to Golden State. So, you said, you know, the, the jokes, if you can't beat them, join them. And it's funny because I remember back then, obviously, I was in that camp of clowning KD a little bit, kind of being real pissed off that the rich get richer in the Golden State Warriors. But when you look at it objectively, you're right, Mike. He did go there to Golden State, but he was honestly potentially one of the leaders of that team or the leader of that team, getting them two more championships and two finals MVPs in those performances. So, I mean, come on, man. If it wasn't KD making that team better, don't you think Steph would have won the MVP? Don't you think he would have been the main driving factor? Obviously, Kevin Durant played a role, but that's my long-winded way of saying that I think it's funny that when you look at it, Kevin Durant, instead of his two championships and his two finals MVPs being a shining mark on his legacy, it's almost more of a pock. You know, people look at it negatively, like, oh, you 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 sold out for those championships, where it's like, Man, what are they going to say this year if this, like, God forbid, knock on wood, if the Suns can get to that mountaintop, if they win it, is it, oh, okay, of course, KD had to join Beal and Booker to be successful? Or is it going to be finally cementing his legacy as being able to do it on his own? I don't, I don't know. Chris, the biggest thing at the end of the day, when it comes to the all time greats, and one thing we already know is Kevin Durant is an all time great. When it comes to those kind of guys, the expectations are so unreal that it just never seems like these guys can hit, right? And like you said, you played it out perfectly. Like they're criticized more than they're cherished for the greatness that they've shown onto the world on this highest stage when it comes down to the National Basketball Association. Another guy we could talk about as well as LeBron James, right? He caught flack for creating the super team going to join D-Wade, having Chris Bosh follow along, and really didn't catch the other side of that until he went back to Cleveland and got it done, right? But he did have a great team around him as well with Kyrie Irving. But those are great conversations to have because they just spark so many different avenues when it comes down to that. The last thing I will say is, like you said, my viewpoint is I don't think Charles Barkley was really trying to take a dig at Kevin Durant. I think he was just think, seeing, you know, what kind of person and individual he puts out to the world, which, which isn't the craziest, like, I'm going to hold this person accountable. I'm going to hold that person accountable because I think that's where a lot of people think leadership comes from. But at the end of the day, there's just different ways to be the guy for different people in the room. Like you said, everybody needs a different type of love and care in order to get the best out of them at the end of the day. So I'm proud of Kevin Durant and the comments that he came out with on that boardroom show. And I also love what he said to Dwayne Rakin because that's literally what KD is on X. So I love that he's that guy no matter where he goes. But props to you, KD. We're proud of you being our leader. How about that? There we go. I like that. I, I do really like KD just embracing embracing it all, right? He he is unapologetically himself, and I think we need more of that. Uh, not to go long on this Kevin Durant topic, but again, I, I don't know if it was in that same interview or, or a different one where they talked about how early in his career, Kevin Durant was super media guy, kind of toe in the line, 
And he talked about like, yeah, I wanted to be part of the NBA story. Like I wanted to be synonymous with the story of the NBA and be a team player. And like, after all that hate and criticism and just never, it's never enough, never good enough. He said, basically said, fuck it. I'm going to be me unapologetically. And if you don't like it, I don't care. And that, I, that mentality, I think fits perfectly with this Suns team. Cause a lot of Suns fans, we've taken some flack. We've been through our dog days, but at the end of the day, we don't give a fuck. We're going to cheer for the Suns. We're going to root them on anyway. So going to be, going to be fun. Um, but Mike, I do have a few more here. Might go a little long on Reddit reacts. I think I got three more for us. If you're up for it. Let's do it, man. Hell yeah. All right. So let's keep it rolling here. Not to waste any time. The Suns announced that they will be bringing back a G League team. Let's yes. go, baby. Let's the, go. The last time we saw an iteration of this was the Northern Arizona Suns, who I think played in Prescott. Um, and they've been, I don't even remember when they, they concluded. It must have been right before like 2018, 2019, somewhere around there. But uh, yeah, finally getting a G League team back. This is something Matt Ishbia said he wanted to do since day one. It really only makes sense to have a place where you can breed talent, where you can have a pool of players waiting in the wings. You can see what you got and they're going to do it here locally. It's not going to be up in Northern Arizona. It's not going to be down in Tucson. It's going to be right here in the Valley and you're going to be able to go and see them, buy tickets, watch games. And maybe you'll see the next great Suns bench player. Maybe you'll see a guy who get because I think any team can pick up any G League player if they're not on a two-way contract. So, I mean, either way, it is it is NBA level basketball. And we saw that going back to what we were talking about a little bit ago with the all-star weekend and the rising stars, those G leaguers, they are for real. Only so many basketball players can make it into the NBA with these 15 man rosters. It's not like the NFL where you got a 53 man roster baseball, where you have three levels of systems. Like you got the NBA and you got a G league. So these, this is going to be good basketball guys. Like I'm, I'm not trying to hype it up, but the most fun part about it, I think Mike, I want to get your opinions on it more broadly, but the name of the G League team is up in the air right now because they're adopting the strategy of the Phoenix Suns themselves when they first became an expansion team of letting the fan base decide the team name. So right now you're able to submit your choice and potentially win. The winner will get a, some type of monetary prize. I think it's like $1,000, $10,000, but they'll also get season tickets. So Mike, I think we might have to brainstorm either here now or maybe on the Heat Check podcast uh, some of what we might want to submit for our G League team. But what do you think about this potential here? Dude, right off the bat, this thing got me so hyped. And it's not because of them bringing the team back, which is great. I mean, when you're the only team in the NBA that doesn't have a G League team, uh, that's kind of like red on your face. Like that's pathetic, right, at the end of the day. So they did right by that. But the nods that Matt Ishbia continues to do for this franchise and the fans of this association, man, it is so, I'm so incredibly proud of what this guy continues to do because he, he's literally doing exactly what they did when they first created the team. Like you said, back in the day, it was, you could get, if you were the person who got your name picked for the team, you got season tickets and you got a thousand dollars. Guess what they're doing? They're doing the exact same thing. A thousand bucks in season tickets. Like those are those little minute details that just really warm my heart at the end of the day because it is basically showing that Matt Ishbia understands the history of the Phoenix Suns. 
and he wants to do right by the people who have been here before him, right? Getting Sean Marion and Amari Stoudemire into the ring of honor, really investing within not only the players with, um, you know, all, all the things that come, come around with the team, but investing back into the employees, creating this new state-of-the-art facility for them to work at. Like, he's doing everything right. So this makes me so excited, man. But I feel like this is one that we probably have to work with Tallman because I feel like he's going to have some crazy names. I've been kind of stuck, man, because I think I would like it to be something with the solar system, but I don't want it to be Suns again, right? It can't be just Arizona Suns, right? The Phoenix Solar, like Phoenix Aura, I don't know. It, you got to help me out here, Chris. I'm at a loss. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it does need to be somewhat related. It needs to be close to the valley. I think having it be the Arizona something would be would be good. I mean, Arizona, I like yeah, Arizona, right? So like, air. I don't know, man. I I don't know Arizona supernovas. I I, I do agree. I think getting Tallman's uh, brain in here, his creative mind, will help. <laughs> so stay tuned to that. How about we'll do that on the heat check pod. I like, I like it. it. Let's do that. Let's do that. I'll, I'll, we'll brainstorm beforehand, and then we'll all collectively come together and decide what uh, Valley Sports Plug's uh, submission will be. But, Mike, yes. got, a, got a few more here for you. We did see this past Saturday the release of the long-anticipated book ones. It was highly hyped around the All-Star Weekend. Saw some uh, – I think a whole building was painted in Indianapolis or projected or something – uh, which is crazy that we couldn't get anything like that in the Valley, but maybe it was just because of All-Star Weekend. That's besides the fact. But I set my alarm clock. I woke up early. You woke up early. We got on the sneakers app, and we tried to buy some shoes. Some of us were luckier than others, and I'm kind of feeling like Squidward, and I feel like you're kind of SpongeBob right now, Mike. I am SpongeBob, my guy. The book ones were secured in my size 14 and i am absolutely blown away because you know i've talked to you about this after size 13 it is impossible man because they make so many less pairs but the sneaker lords bless me this time with the mirage colorway of the book ones i'm so excited we are definitely going to be showing those on the heat check pod so make sure you guys stay tuned for that we'll do a little nice up and close reveal for everybody I, I it's kind of tough man because i really want to try these out on court but i feel like these were so limited and so many people didn't get them i almost kind of have to hold my pairs so i can show everybody so they can take a look feel that material before i sweat in it and make it freaking all crusty right i gotta let yeah. the people take a look before but they'll get on court sooner rather than later yeah, and I'm I'm curious. Like I'm, I, I definitely want to see them, but I am curious to know your opinion and have you maybe review them a little bit on what you think on how they play. I know you and I both like. I mean, I think I can speak for you in saying you and I both like playing in Nikes. They make a really good basketball shoe, and usually I prefer a mid or a high top. Um, so going with the low cut book ones here, I think it'll be interesting. I did get his GT Cut twos, the player exclusives that came out. Didn't love those. The tongue slipped a lot. But talking about the book ones, I missed out. I got in there, got my card information put in, and they sold out a nine and a half before they could give me a pair. I guess the curse of having smaller feet than a six foot seven big guy. But 
Hey, maybe you, you just got to buy more stuff and then maybe the sneakers app will bless you. No, I don't think that that's could be. I don't, I don't think that's how it works. It literally is just the luck of the draw. But for but, Suns fans and Devin Booker fans who want to get these shoes, don't worry. They're going to start rolling out some more colorways soon. It sounds like the next one is happening on the 29th. So you got about a week to try again. So hopefully well, so, you'll learn luck next time. In that spirit, I do have a comment and then a question for you to piggyback off of it. So I I did really want these shoes, don't get me wrong, but the Mirage Color Wave, didn't love it, didn't love it. I think it would be great color for casual wear to just wear out and about. I mean, I guess when it comes down to performance, you don't really care. You shouldn't really care what the color of the shoe is at the end of the day, but that's kind of the modern day of the basketball is accessorize, wear your flashy colors, get your shit going together, but didn't love the Mirage Color Wave. These next ones that are coming out, they're like a dusty blue color from what I've seen. Honestly, don't know if I'm loving those either. So I might might hold out for a third color wave in prayers that it's something a little more sexy. I don't know, Chris. You might be testing the sneaker gods at that point because I don't know. You might be out of luck when it comes to these colorways because the one thing that we're seeing when it comes to these PEs that are on the floor, a lot of those don't ever see the light of day, right? You almost have to cross your fingers that they're going to do Nike by you so you can create your own. And then you can start start mixing and matching and getting the colors as close as to the PEs that you've seen. And then we could kind of have those, right? But none of those cool ones are going to are really going to come out, I don't think. Like the metallic purples that he made a pair based off of. That absolutely the best one has been the white with the orange outline and the purple lining basically like his kobe's that he was wearing for the past couple of years before he got his signature deal signed up like we're never gonna see those two unless i think he's a 14 and a half so maybe i could get lucky and try and like cop one of those but you know what's gonna happen this is gonna be five thousand dollars i don't know if i'm gonna spend five grand uh but that could be a cool collector's piece if one day i got five grand burning a hole in my pocket but for right now that's not anytime soon man. if you just have it lying around you know nothing yeah. else to do yeah yeah just i got it no i hear you you're right i might be testing my fate as far as it goes it's funny because i was showing uh my wife um the pictures i was like these are the ones i wanted and she's like i don't hate those i showed her the blue ones and she was like i don't like those and i was like these are the ones i really want and i showed her the orange ones um and she said when are you gonna wear those that's <laughs> not that's not where is anybody going to wear those? Man? Right, right. Those exactly. When I'm playing basketball and when I'm going to a Suns game, probably. That's it. Those would be the times. But, hey, that's worth the investment. But right now, those are like almost two case because, remember, those only came out in 500. There's only 500 of those made. So, that's Woo. right. If you and got they released them in like Orange Florida bear. or something, right? Yeah. See, so that's – obviously, we've had the conversations about the rollout as well. Obviously, that was Nike's call because I think it was with Art Basel and his kind of boutique over there. So that's why they did the specific thing. But for them to not release in Phoenix. And also, they didn't like release in stores. But I think eventually, you know, because if you look at Jaws line, if you looked at what PG's line, which is what Devin Booker's changed out through, they always release a good amount of colorways. So you're probably looking at I don't know, could be between six to 10 different colorways of the first model. 
eventually these will get to stores. These will get to Foot Locker, JD, Champs, all those places. And it, it will hopefully become easier to get a pair. Now, it might not be easy here in the Valley because of all the Suns fans and that kind of stuff. But the prices will drop. You'll be able to get them on resale, not for $250. I know you were talking about that. Yeah. But I think they just wanted to keep it limited to start to continue to garner the hype for it at the end of the day. So we will see. But you know what, Chris? I got these ones. Guess what I'm going for on the 29th? Going for the other ones too, uh, baby. Let's go. There you go. You indirectly answered the question I had in the waiting in the wings is, are you going to cop another player, another colorway when they come available? So I would do exactly the same, honestly. Chris, but <laughs> I'm probably going for all of them, man. Like I'm not even going <laughs> to lie. My man, I would expect nothing less from our resident sneakerhead, Mr. Michael Benjamin. But Mike, I know we're wrapping things up. Reddit Reacts has been a blast. I got one more for you and it, it's kind of it kind of relates to all-star weekend and what we were talking about and i, I i'm sure you might have seen this floating around the internet i just thought it was funny some of the conversations it started this is sabrina anascu the <laughs> the WNBA player who did the three-point contest against steph curry and for audio only listeners this is a reddit post um it says sorry sabrina i wasn't familiar with your game and it shows a picture where it says Sabrina Ionescu can really do both with a fire emoji. And it, on the left, it shows her in her uniform in the middle of a game. And on the right, it shows her in a dress and some high boots going, getting ready for a night on the town. And uh, what I think is the most hilarious about this, and I think I saw someone comment on Twitter or something, is do people really think that the women in the WNBA <laughs> just go home and wear their basketball jersey? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like, she's still a woman. She still wants to do female things and dress up and look nice and show out. So are people like really like, whoa, my mind's blown. It's like, I just thought it was hilarious personally. Yeah, just all WNBA players, as soon as they get out of their jersey, guess what they're throwing on? A tank top and freaking short shorts like their basketball <laughs> shorts. So it's like they're wearing the same thing. No, like ridiculous, dude. Ridiculous. Um, yeah, she can do it both. She's incredible, man. I, like, she is an absolute superstar for the game of basketball, man. It's not even just the WNBA. And I don't know if the WNBA game has ever been in greater hands, either than when the WNBA was first created. Back in the day when the Houston Comets were just an absolute juggernaut. And, you know, long days before Diana Taurasi where we had Cheryl Miller on the Phoenix Mercury, or she was coaching the team, like, you know, when it was first coming into fruition and that league was just getting off the ground floor. But we talk about her infiltrating the NBA All-Star Weekend because shooters shoot, and she might be the best shooter in the world. Now, yes, it's Steph, because technically he beat her, but she set an all-time record for All-Star Game three-point contest with 37 points like she's a hooper these other girls that continue to come up as well caitlin clark setting the uh, the record for ncaa scoring for both is it both men's and women's right like i think so just ridiculous and she is probably going to go back to iowa as well and just completely expand that record so they can do it all man i i'm i'm so proud of what she's been able to do to use the platform to 
grow the women's game, man. It's been really impressive. And shout out to her as well. She's got her own signature shoe with Nike. And all I ever hear is positive things about those shoes. Shout out to Robert. I know he loves those things, man. It's crazy you mentioned that because I've been on the Nike app a few times recently. And even a long time, I've almost bought a few pairs of, of her shoes because one, I like the color waves. I like Nikes. And it looks like a style of shoe that I would really enjoy. So honestly, fuck, man. I mean, I'm going to get book ones first. Let's be well, real. But <laughs> Well, and then here I'll say this, Chris. Maybe you should try a pair of Sabrinas before you go out and get the hot Cheeto scoop. <laughs> Pumas. How about that? Yeah. There. I okay. talked you. I talked you off the ledge. Or the Dexter Laboratory Mellow Crazy Threes. Let's let's get you yeah. some Sabrinas first. How about yeah, that? yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. Especially when it comes to a functional basketball shoe. I've never played in Pumas, so I'd be exploring the unknown. And then I have shoes that if I don't like playing in them, when am I gonna be able to wear Dexter's lab crazy shoes or hot Cheetos scoots? You're right. You're right. Um, but just the last thing I want to say on this is like, I, I totally agree with everything you said, like her ability and what she's doing on the court is incredible. It's great for the sport and for women's basketball. I mean, you, you talk about players like her, Caitlin Clark, Kelsey Plum. I mean, shit, even Brittany Griner, they're like the new guard. I mean, Brittany Griner's a little bit older. Uh, Sabrina's only 26 years old, man. And when you look at Diana Taurasi, who's 41, I think we'll be seeing Sabrina in the WNBA for a long time and probably more collaboration between the NBA and the WNBA. I, I do love the support that those guys have uh, been giving, giving the ladies as well. I know there's a lot of criticism about the game. I know a lot of people are going to be haters. And honestly, a lot of that hate is people that just don't tune in and don't pay attention. At the end of the day, I it's it's not as sexy as the NBA. I can't lie when it comes to the actual style of the game being played. But it is a lot more fundamental in a lot of ways. And there are a lot of people who would say that the WNBA game is a lot closer to real basketball than the nba game is right now so if you got young kids you want them to know the game right maybe watch more wnba than nba because they're the ones really balling out right now but that's really all i had for reddit reacts mike i appreciate you rolling through me with all of that um hopefully sons r slash reddit r slash sons on reddit can get their shit together and provide us with some more memes but gotta work with what we got yeah it's time to step it up, man. Let's go. Let's roll these memes back out. The beautiful thing is we got the game coming back tomorrow. So I'm sure we'll start getting something, right? But Chris, lots of fun. I'm very excited. Like you said, this is officially like this is basketball's sweet spot right now. Rolling into the second half of the NBA season. March Madness right around the corner. Before we go, man, I'll pass it over to you. Do you got anything else for the people tonight? I just got to thank anyone who's listened this far in the podcast or watching back on the recording. Hell, even if you're here watching live, we appreciate you and thank you so much. Make sure you don't miss out on your chance to win those Suns tickets. Head over to our Instagram page at AZ underscore VSP and enter. Drawing is this Friday. And of course, next week we'll have our February recording of the Heat Check podcast coming out. And we do that in video format now. So you can check that out on YouTube with us, our beautiful faces, drinking and having a good time talking Valley sports. But Mike, thank you so much, man. It's been a blast. Yes, sir. We're probably about one and a half days left now, right at this moment. 
for you to make sure to enter to win those Suns versus Lakers tickets. For everybody who has joined us on this ride, for everybody who's listening back, who's been with us from the start, we love y'all. And once again, this was Pass the Outlet, episode 17. I'm your co-host, Michael Benjamin. That's Chris Patrick. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Ball is life, plain and simple. You know, ask any baller. If you know, you know. The game has changed, but it's still the same. You want it, go get it. Shazam! The inbounds pass comes into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line, the shot on Elo. The Bulls win! They win it! Mike, you're honestly telling me that you're top five. Yeah, top five of all time. No question about it. Booker, this is for the win. Got it. Wow. You know, one thing's for sure, over at Valley Sports Plug, you're never going to catch us slipping. With the first overall pick, the Phoenix Suns select... Three, two, three.